You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Well, good morning, church. I hope you're still fired up. I said, I hope you're still fired up. You know, uh, the European Missions Conference was an incredible, incredible time. Uh, number one, before we get started here, we've got to thank all of those who participated, but all of those who served behind closed doors to make it happen. Number one, we've got to thank the ushers right there, amen? Victor Como and the crew, they were out there in the cold, and it was encouraging seeing that. We've got to thank the song leaders right there, amen? Those medleys got us going. I loved all those different medleys we were doing. Uh, of course, we got to thank uh, the Grimas right there for planning out the event right there and just really uh, giving us a great structure and a great plan. Of course, that was with uh, our sister Jen Watkins, the queen of quite a lot, wherever she is here in the fellowship. She's probably doing something to serve right now, but uh, it just was an incredible, incredible time of God's family coming together uh, and really God building his family around the world. And, uh, you know, uh, something uh, got me during the conference. Uh, it just was, it was a powerful conference because I really believe the spirit of brokenness was there. Uh, you know, soon as the conference started, it started with the, the speech that Tim Kernan gave. And, uh, you know, Tim just gave his heart in that speech right there. Uh, you know, uh, Judge, what was it? Reward and punishment. <laughs> and punishment should motivate you. You know, and he just gives us heart about uh, his wife catching dengue fever, uh, the child catching dengue fever, uh, and him realizing he could lose his children. He could lose his child, rather, and he could lose his bride. Uh, and, of course, that broke him. And there's just a spirit of humility right there. And then, of course, all the other speakers. And then, of course, Blaze gets on up there on Saturday morning right there. Again, the spirit of just brokenness right there. Of course, he shared about the brokenness of our kingdom and uh, just calling us back to, to Jesus. Uh, and there was just a, such a spirit. Uh, and for me, that, that, that was very, very powerful for me because uh, God broke some things in my heart. Uh, and God says, you got to go back to what you did at first. I mean, I heard that loud and clear. Go back to what you did at first. And so uh, we are going to be studying out the book of First and Second Samuel. 1 Samuel until the end of the year because, you know, the book of 1 Samuel has so much insight for building a church, so much insight for walking with God, so much insight that I go, okay, that is the spirit. We got to go back to the book of 1 Samuel right there. Amen? So that's what we're going to be studying today. But before we get into the book of 1 Samuel, we got to get a running start as to what was going on. Of course, God's, God's people had gotten themselves in trouble. And... In the book of Judges, the book of Judges is, the word judge means leader. It's the book of leaders. And God's people go faithful and then unfaithful, and faithful and unfaithful. And every time there's a leader, someone to call God's people back to the word of God, God's people are faithful. But they had this challenging, challenging statement all through the book of Judges. As we lead up to opening up the book of 1 Samuel. We find statement number one in Judges chapter 17, verse 6. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Let's see if that's the first time. Turn to chapter 18. 
Verse 1. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. Chapter 19, verse 1. In those days, Israel had no king. Of course, Israel represents the Christians. And then sadly, in chapter 21, closing out the end of this chapter, crescendoing into Samuel, the incredible leader. It says in verse 25, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. And the church said, that was those days, but I believe it's these days today. I believe it's these days. Everyone just does as they see fit. Maybe I'll come to church. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll go here. Maybe I'll go there. Maybe there's a God. We live in a time that's very dark where everyone's doing as they see fit. Of course, Israel had a king, King Jesus. And the question for us is, do you still have a king? Or are you doing as you see fit or as, as God sees fit? You know, as the family begins to grow, the church begins to grow. Of course, uh, it makes me think about our own physical family. And uh, of course, we have, uh, I have an incredible son, uh, little Michael Adrian. Uh, he puts up with me as a dad all the time. And uh, I have an incredible little, little daughter named little Mia. And uh, Mia is now walking. Uh, Mia's walking and she even talks. It's her own language. Uh, but, but she really believes she's talking to you. And she gets up and she's like, And she has this little language. And I just watch her in the family. And she, just, she, she gets up and after she gets her food, she goes over here. She goes over there, and she's just going wherever she's do, doing whatever she wants to do. And so cute, you know, because she's just a little. But I, I started thinking about that. You know, that's not so cute with God's spiritual kids. When you're just doing as you see fit, going here, going there, going there. And that can happen when God's family is growing. After all, we are growing. We did, we did break 100 disciples right there, amen? And we're going, to be, uh, we're going to be breaking that even more so today because we have another, another baptism right there, amen? But uh, as we get into 1 Samuel, if you could turn over there, the issue that we see in the book of Judges is that God's people were autonomous. Autonomous. And we, we, we know that autonomous churches produce autonomous disciples. Autonomous preaching produces an autonomous fellowship. Where everybody's doing as they see fit, not as the word of God, our king sees fit. And that is not our church, amen? That is not our church, amen? But we're not doing as we see fit, but as God sees fit. Title of the lesson is God's growing family. Point number one, break me. Break me. I really believe the reason God blessed the European Missions Conference is because there was a spirit of brokenness. And yet, it's from that heart, that broken heart, that God can get on in there and really replace it with his spirit and his word. And we find that in the heart of Hannah. That, that, that God was breaking her. Of course, God was breaking his people. 
He wasn't just breaking Hannah. He was breaking his people. And oftentimes you got to get broken before you accomplish your destiny. First Samuel chapter one. Break me. There was a certain man from Ramathane. Of course, Ramathane is, we later find that was the same place where Joseph from Arimathea was from. So uh, it's kind of cool that God uses the same cities right there. It says a Zufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, son of Ehelu, son of Tohu, son of Jehu, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. We can stop right there. That's a challenge right there. Uh, most of us are going, how do I keep my one wife fired up? How do I keep her happy in the Lord, standing in the service right there? And yet Elkanah, he's got himself two wives. What double trouble. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Of course, Hannah means a woman of grace. And we know that when you get yourself a Christian woman, she is a woman of grace. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Wow. We, we, we see right away, before we even dig in, Hannah gets taught the lesson of barrenness. Being barren. Barren means fruitless. Barren means unproductive. And of course... I, I love God because, you know, the Bible begins with a marriage and it ends with a marriage. And, of course, when it begins with a marriage, of course, it produces kids and it ends with the marriage. God, our great husband and the church, the bride. Amen. And all the kids. And yet when I studied this out this second time here, I just saw some new insights here about the husband wife relationship. Hannah and Elkanah right there. And, of course, Hannah has no kids. And so God desires family. God wants family. God wants offspring. He wants spiritual children. And that is a good thing. Amen. And obviously right away, he can't produce kids with Hannah. So, 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 so Elkanah moves on to another relationship. Now we understand that polygamy was wrong, but the spiritual insight there looking at it spiritually is, you know, when, when God can't produce kids with, with one wife, he finds another. And if we are to be his bride his church we got to produce those children right there because God is faithful when you are faithful and he is faithful to his word you guys stay with me here question number one are you barren are you fruitless are you productive or unproductive is, is there barrenness in your prayer life is there barrenness in your bible study are you barren says year after year in verse three, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord almighty. And that's who we worship. Amen. Church at Shiloh where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. Of course, where he goes to worship is found in Exodus chapter 23, verse 14 it says three times a year, you are to celebrate a festival to me. And of course, when they celebrate, they would go to Shiloh. And so it's cool how in Exodus it says three times a year you're to have a festival. Three times a year you're to have yourselves a conference right there. So it's not just us pulling this off. It's in the Bible right there. Amen, guys? We had our global leadership conference. We had our European missions conference. And we are going to have a winter workshop coming on up. Amen? 
And, uh, you know, I, I was so proud of the church. I mean, I was praying. I was like, okay, Lord, what, what, what do we call this thing? And I go, wow. You know, everyone served, and uh, I, I think you would say, well done. Okay, that's, that's it. Well done, good and faithful servant. So that's going to be the title of our winter workshop coming on up at the end of January. Well done, my good and faithful servants right there. Amen. So we can really dig into being great servants for God and his kingdom. Verse 4. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. See, it's not just the brothers that like, like the good meat right there. Sometimes sisters like a good steak. And my wife's saying, uh-huh, yeah. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion. And that is our God. He gives a double portion. We give our lives, but God gives so much more to us. And the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her to irritate. You ever been provoked and irritated? It says her rival kept provoking her, just getting her going, just to irritate her. Of course, she's, she's barren. She has no kids. Nah, 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 you don't have any kids. Just irritating her. They'd be going to Walmart or something. You don't need that car seat. You don't have any kids. That's, that's American Walmart. It'd be Argos over here, amen? You ever been provoked and irritated? Of course, God is using this to really get Hannah's attention. You know, sometimes people respond to uh, just a great talk. Sometimes people respond to encouragement. Sometimes people respond when you get irritated and your pride gets pricked. That, that, that I can respond. That can happen with me. I, I feel that. Well, sometimes someone gets in my and just pricks my pride right there. I don't forget being in Vancouver, Washington. Our, our tagline for the, for, the, for the region was, tell me what I can't do and I'll show you how with God we can. Because there was a time where, they, oh, you guys are trying to do the movement again. You guys are barren. No one's going to join again. No one's going to stand back up and try and build the kingdom of God again. I remember that. And we were just like, tell me what we can't do, and with God, we'll show you how we can. But it took that, 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 that spirit right there to really get us going right there. You guys with me here? This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? That's a great question for us. You know, I came out of the conference and I was excited about all the lessons, but you know what I was excited about the most? And I can say this before God. I was excited about my relationship with God. You know why? Because God means more. He means more. He means more than great conferences. He means more than all those who are going to get married. Amen. He means more than evangelizing the world. He means more. He means he is enough. And with Hannah, her husband wasn't enough. Spiritually, your husband is God. And he's got to be enough. Yet we see that it produced a bitterness in her because God wasn't enough. And Elkanah says, don't I mean more than ten sons? Verse 10, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much, 
prayed to the Lord. And then she made a vow, say, Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, I think Hannah forgot God. It wasn't that God had forgotten her. I think she forgot God. I think she forgot his misery. You know, when you want the blessings of God, but you don't want God, I, God doesn't feel fired up about that. There can be a misery that comes over his heart. And yet we can be so selfish sometimes when we don't get what we want from God, we are the ones who are miserable. And God breaks us. He breaks us. She says, if you'll only look upon your servant's misery, remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. No razor will ever be used on his head. And the church said, of course, that right there is talking about the Nazarite vow. I know you knew about that. Numbers chapter 6, the Nazarite vow is giving to all those who really are set apart to do great things for God. The Nazarite vow, meaning, and this is what she's talking about here, meant, number one, you allowed your hair to grow. It wasn't a fashion statement back then to have a long beard and long hair. It was a, it was a signal to those who were not God's people that you didn't care what the outward looked like. And you made a vow to God that you could care less about the outward. The Nazarite vow said that you would not drink in excess of wine. Wine was used for luxury. Wine was used for comfort. So you were saying, I am not going to let comfort be my God. And then you also took the Nazarite vow, you would not touch any impure, any unclean thing. We find that, in, uh, for Sam, or we find that with uh, Samson, how he was a Nazarite. He took the Nazarite vow, but he did touch impure things. He touched that lion's carcass right there. And so spiritually, we are Nazarites. We could care less what people look, what people think about our outward. We, we are not indulgent with, with, with pleasure. And we are going to be a pure people of God. Amen? This is very powerful right here. Uh, Hannah wanted the son, but of course, uh, she, she didn't want God. You don't get the blessings without the sacrifice. You don't, you don't get the blessings of God without sacrificing truly and really loving God. Can't have a godly family without godly parents. Can't have a sold-out church without sold-out disciples, right? There's no miracle pill to make you lose weight. There's no special diet or anything. You know, there's always a new diet. All the different diets, these cool new diets that come on out. No, you just got to sacrifice and stop eating. That, that, that's what you do. You just quit eating and you lose weight. It's, a, it's incredible how that works. You know, I was, I was so impressed with the disciples, just the sacrifice that went into the European Missions Conference. And, you know, um, th this story with Hannah right here and her barrenness that she goes through, you know, I, I think there's different, different types of people. Sometimes um, all, all we want is the blessings from God. And God disciplines us with barrenness. All we want is to be fruitful. And God, God says, oh, you don't want me. You just want to be fruitful. I will make you barren. And you get discipled with barrenness right there. Other times, there is no fruit. And that's a red flag that you are not close to God. You can't be close to God and unfruitful at the same time. John chapter 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing and that is the whole point when you are doing nothing you are apart from God 
You guys with me here? We all go through barrenness. You've gone through barrenness at times. God's used it to break you. You know, you know how it is. You're, you're interviewing. You're CV after CV after CV after CV, and you still don't get a job. And you're barren right there. Of course, it was awesome on Friday night to be with the campus guys, and I know our brother uh, Anthony has been barren. He has been looking for a job. God has been using that to kind of break him right there. And then finally Friday, he stood up. He goes, I got a job. <laughs> awesome. Of course, uh, I believe it was about two or three weeks ago, our brother Rafiq, same thing. And finally, Rafiq got himself a job right there. Amen. God uses that barrenness to break us. You know, I'll never forget the sad look on our brother Ola Kukoya's face. When God, when he was barren and he did not have a wife. I mean, he, he manufactured a smile every now and then. and He was able to do the finances. I never forget him walking around the fellowship you know, trying to be excited for Jesus Christ. Yet he was barren, no wife. Of course, we had our discipleship time, and Ola's such one of my, my best friends right there, and we were just sitting there in the, uh, in the cafe, and we were just going, wow. And I looked at Ola, I go, bro, remember when you were barren? You, just, you, you weren't married? You didn't have that, that beautiful wife and those kids? And he goes, yeah, I remember. And then he changed the subject right away. And I just go, you know, th 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 that's how it is right there. You know, we, we're barren and then God blesses us. And sometimes we forget that barrenness right there. We forget that God used it to draw us back to him. And the powerful thing with Ola is Ola got surrendered. He says, you know, if God gives me that awesome, incredible wife, I'll be fired up. But I'll be fired up with my God and my God alone. God trains us. He, tra he, he disciples us with barrenness. And I just, you know, for me, it's just so, so great seeing the church and seeing the growth and seeing, seeing the heart. But, but I, I left just going, okay, I just want to keep my heart broken. I don't, I don't want to let my heart not be in a position of being broken where, where I can really be used by God. I can be filled with God and God alone. Where do you need to be broken? I mean, did, 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 what broke you at the EMC? I mean, what sermon was it? What, what, what thing was it? The fellowship? Was it the, what, what changed you? Are you changed? I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to say, God, break me. Please break me. Break my heart and prayer. Produce tears so you can use me. You know, you look at Blaze and Patricia Fumba. Disciples who have allowed themselves to be broken by God. And God is using them powerfully. See, God broke Hannah. But he used her to begin the deliverance of all of God's people. Her prayer, the entire nation, rested on her prayers. You know, the all of Europe rests on our prayers. It all rests on our prayers. Where do you need to be broken? God, break my heart. Break my heart in discipling. Allow that brother, that sister to break my heart so you can use me and you'll be enough. Break my heart in my marriage. Help me to understand that all I need is you. Because what we say is we say, God is enough and my wife. God is enough and my husband. God is enough and this and that you can fill in the blank. But God has got to be enough. Where do you need to be broken? Verse 12. You guys still with me here? Yeah. 
as she kept on praying to the Lord. Check this out. This is the, the most incredible spiritual guy in, the, in, in, in all of the land. Check out what he says. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Thanks, Eli. God is breaking me. I'm having a spiritual response, and you think I'm drunk. Wow. Criticism for radical devotion. And that's what happens. When God's people get radical and they get devoted, there's a criticism. Sadly, this was in the kingdom. And this can even happen to us. We can be critical of radical devotion. We can be critical of the call for radical devotion to God. That's where Eli was at. And that, that, that's, that's not where we want to be, right, guys? Verse 15. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. <laughs> and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something. And her face was no longer downcast early the next morning. They arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. It's so important for families to worship together. Amen. And that, that's what's going on. The whole family is worshiping together. This isn't the husband worships, the wife doesn't. This isn't the wife worships, the husband doesn't. The whole family worships together. Not so, not only in our own physical families, but so how much more so as a church that we worship together, right? What time does church start? 10 o'clock. Not 10.30. Right? Aren't we a family? Are we a family? I, I mean, we, we are a family, right? So we got to worship together, guys. We, 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 we can't come rolling in at 10.30, 10.45, just kind of, whoo! I'm here. No, we got to worship together. I mean, would, would you... For those of you that are football fans, if you got tickets to see the Man United football, front row tickets, I mean, would you come rolling in at the third, the, right at the end of the game? You would not. You'd be there early, would you not? Absolutely. All you sisters out there, if you had a free spa package, cucumbers on the eyes, Dead Sea salt scrub rubs, all that stuff you do with the lime and the brown sugar, lime, all the crystals and all that stuff, and you get your nails, your hands, get your hair done, and it's all free. Look at that. Hallelujah. You would be there early. You'd be calling all us sisters. Are you, you going to get there? What, what, you're going to be there early? We got to be there. It's free. And yet God gave his son. And he paid the price for you. And if we were to build a great church, we got to worship together. I want to challenge you. Don't come to church late. Don't come to church late. That affects us, guys. We're a family. We've got to be here together. I'm still fired up. I'm still excited about the Lord. And we've got to worship together. Elkanah lay with his, Hannah, his wife. And the Lord remembered her. That's another scary statement. It says the Lord remembered her. I don't want the, the Lord to forget me. You forget the, the Lord. He can forget you. He can forget you. And when she gets broken and goes back to God, then he remembers her. 
In the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When the man Elkanah went up with his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I'll take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son till she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with the three-year-old bull, and he of a flower, skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am a woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. Wow. I mean, she spends all this time wanting this child. Then she dedicates him to the Lord. And of course, Samuel will be the guy that institutes the first the, the, the coming of God's people all back together. I mean, this is an incredible leader right here that she had the opportunity to birth and she gives him back to the Lord. It says for his whole life, he'll be given over to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. And the church said, Amen. point number two, God's enough. God's enough. Is God enough for you? Is God enough? God wasn't enough when I got baptized. I thought he was, but he wasn't. And that's the reason why I almost fell away, because God wasn't enough. When you look at the Bible, God doesn't promise an incredible marriage. That's not one of God's promises, an incredible marriage. One of God's promises isn't all this money. One of God's promises isn't prosperity. I'm a preacher of L.A. That's sin. Wicked. That is of the devil. Jesus Christ died with nothing. And if we're going to imitate Jesus, we give up everything. I'm, I'm sorry, I just had to bring that up. I don't know if you heard about this TV show, Preachers of L.A. And these guys on national television telling people that it's okay to... The guy comes rolling in in a Ferrari on the TV show. I'm a preacher. No, you're not. You're a servant of the devil. That's, that, that, that's, God's got to be enough. Got enough for you. God says, My grace, and this is what really can, I want to talk to the singles. This can really hurt you in the singles ministry. Because in 2 Corinthians, he says, My grace is sufficient for you. And what rails singles is you going to know God's grace plus that husband or plus that wife. And then God doesn't. It's not enough, and then you embitter this the soul, you're praying to the Lord right there, like Anna. For God to bless us, God's got to be enough. If you're a single sister, I want to challenge you to say, God is enough. And if and when he brings me that incredible man of God, that'll just be a blessing. But even that man of God can't replace you, Lord. God has got to be enough. Brothers, I'm going to challenge you to say God is enough. He is enough for me. I can live a pure life 
with me and my God. I don't have to turn to impurity. I don't have to turn to pornography. I don't have to do that. I, I can get broken, and then God can be enough for me. I was so fired up to see Tim get baptized. I was so fired up to see Tim get baptized. You know, I mean, uh, Tim is so matter-of-fact about everything, too, in his sharing. Tim just, he just says, Lord Jesus Christ, receive me. <laughs> just so literal. But it's so great studying with him and him, him realizing that, that, that God had to be enough. That maybe his family wouldn't be there right, right away. Maybe, 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 maybe that wife isn't there right away. Maybe she is. Amen, single sisters. <laughs> but God is enough. It was awesome. And of course, Tim got baptized last week. It was awesome. And of course, Samantha, she's right there in the front row. She's got that smile on her face. And she realizes that God is enough. I remember having a chat with her and her just feeling like, wow, what, what, if, what, if, what if my family doesn't accept me for, for becoming a disciple? What, what, what if this? What if that? What if that? And then she finally, she, she, she studies, she gets some disciples. She, God is enough. He's enough. If we're to be God's people, he has to be enough. He's got to be enough. You guys still with me here? Yeah. Number three, turn to chapter two. True sacrifice is seen in song. True sacrifice is seen in song. And of course, sacrifice her son. And in verse one, says, then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted. Of course, the horn was a symbol of strength. So after sacrifice, her strength was lifted. Not taken away. Sometimes you sacrifice and all of a sudden your strength is gone. I've just given money. And now my song is, Ooh, Lord, where you gonna bring the more money? I'm poor. I'm. She says, my heart, my, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. Sacrifice and song go hand in hand. I put before you, look at the Hannah. I mean, sacrificing our son, that's a pretty big sacrifice, amen? Dare we say that's the most precious thing to her? And yet she's singing. And of course, we ask ourselves, what is the most precious thing to you? It could be your family. It could be your career. We think the kingdom of God is built on everyone's dreams. No. The kingdom of God is built on everyone crushing their dream for God's dream. Crushing that thing that is very sacred to them so that they can live a life that glorifies God. And then... You truly sing because you've sacrificed, you've given it all. As Hannah sang right here, people who don't sing haven't truly sacrificed. I'm just going to lay it out. If you don't truly sing, it's because you haven't truly sacrificed. If you, you, you can't really sing, sometimes I feel like I can fight an army. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you 
for blessing me. Oh, Lord, prepare me to be a living. You know what that song is saying? Prepare me to be a living sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. That means God, you're, you're singing that you want your faith tested because faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Don't trust faith that can't be tested in the fires of affliction where someone comes against you and all this and you stand firm and then you, I'm going to become a disciple. People who sing have truly sacrificed. Matthew chapter 26, verse 27. Check this out. Spounding on this point here of singing and suffering going hand in hand. Singing and sacrifice going hand in hand. Verse 27 says, then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink it, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of it, of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And of course, Jesus is crucified. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. It says his, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. And the church said, Amen. Acts chapter 16, verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, Luke the doctor wrote this, guys. He says severely flogged. They were thrown into prison and a jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stalks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were bitter as gall because of all the challenges they had to go through in the kingdom of God and the sacrifice, the money, all that. No. I even got Blaze to laugh on that one. No, it says Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Point being that people watch you. And the other prisoners were not Christians. People watch how you go through things. True sacrifice is seen in your song. Question number one, are you singing? Are you singing this morning? I'm not just talking about just singing so we can, I'm talking about in your heart. I've, I've given up everything. I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything, I'll give up everything for the God again. And I come to worship my God and to sing about it. Amen. We think coming is just to sing to us. We, we are, we're worshiping in our song, guys. So awesome seeing my sister Hillary Donnelly up here. Yeah. Hillary fires me up. Now, now Hillary, Hillary is a, I, I can say this too, me and Hillary. Hillary's a vanilla sister, but deep down inside. Deep down inside. I, I think she's. I don't know. I don't, she's got a little soul in there right there. And, uh, you know, Hillary, Hillary is, she's had her challenges where, where God has broken her. And God has really, really pressed on her heart, pressed on her life. 
I mean, her and Nick, they came on the mission team. They gave up everything. They gave up relationships. And they came with, with Michelle and I and the rest of the disciples, Jen Watkins. I think Jen's the only one left here that came from the mission team right there. Uh, but they came to, to London, England. And yet, Jesus sent those disciples into a storm. He knew that storm was there. <laughs> he says, go on over to the other side. And of course, there was a storm there. <laughs> so Jesus trains us by storm. And so they come on over. And, and, and it was awesome. We built the church, but there was a little storm waiting right there. <laughs> and, and Hillary fought for her faith. She fought for her faith. She fought for her faith. She fought for her faith. And for those that don't know, Hillary's an incredible singer. But I think God was trying to produce a song in her heart through the brokenness and, and, and breaking her in the different areas. And so for me personally, I was fired up for the baptisms. I was encouraged for the baptisms. Ah! But, but there was something so special about uh, seeing Hillary there, seeing her brokenness, her honesty, and then seeing her today sing. True sacrifice. She gave it all. She's given it all. Are we singing? You know, we're, we're, we're building a, a, an incredible, incredible church here, but uh, the Bible calls us to be living sacrifices, right? Romans chapter 12. And, you know, it's been great what we've done, but we, we as a church, that European Missions Conference was a, was a pretty, pretty hefty, expensive thing. Uh, and we're in a position right now where, number one, all of our churches around the world are taking up a four times Thanksgiving Day contribution, Right? Uh, we, because we had the conference, I thought, well, maybe we won't have to do that. But upon looking at our finances, I got a call from one of our now deacons right there. Uh, we got, we got some deacons in the church right there. Amen. And he said, bro, no, we got to meet. We, we may need, we may need to sacrifice to keep the lights on in the church. So, okay, well, of course we, we need to have that meeting. And I believe in the London National Christian Church. I believe that whatever sacrifice we need to do to keep the lights on, keep the church moving, we will do it. We will do it. Amen. But if we have to sacrifice, you got to keep singing. You got to. Hallelujah. Whether we have to take it three times, four times mission contribution. We got to keep singing. As Hannah sacrificed her son and sang, true, so, true sacrifice is seen in your Singing. Let's close out. Still in chapter 2, verse 12. You guys still with me here? It says, Eli's sons were wicked men. Wouldn't like that to be said about you. It says, they had no regard for the Lord. Wow. Having no regard for the Lord and wickedness go hand in hand. And that was the practice of the priests with the people that when everyone... And anyone offered a sacrifice, and while the meat was being boiled, the servant of the priest would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand. He would plunge it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself whatever the fork brought up. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the servant of the priest would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the man said to him, 
let the fat be burned up first, then take whatever you want. The servant would then answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Whew. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod each year. His mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by the woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. And the church said, isn't that awesome? She gives her best and God does the rest. She gives one, God gives five. Our last point is simply, God always blesses total commitment beyond your imagination. God always blesses total commitment beyond your imagination. You're so awesome. Seeing Michael and Maria Hart, our new shepherds in the London International Christian Church. Michael even tells me he loves me now. And he means it. He actually means it. And, I, I, you know, it's just, I, for me personally, I just go, wow. I remember going to Curacao and seeing Michael and Maria there and going, okay, they're going to come on over. They're going to be a great addition. But then they got over and then before you know it, Michael was like, bro, I think you need to work on this, and you don't seem happy. And before you know it, I was like, I was in a D time right there. <laughs> and it was awesome. I mean, discipling is awesome, right? And no one's beyond discipling. That's when you start falling away. And so they gave us some great discipling. Of course, the Fumba's getting in there, giving us some great discipling. But I, I, don't, I don't think I would have said, they're going to be the shepherds in about a year moving. Just, just, just a year. And that's just the first thing that's happened. And for them giving up everything coming, wow. God has blessed it beyond, beyond my imagination. And that's just the first real blessing of the hearts. I wonder what's in store in the future. I wonder. But they gave up everything and God has blessed it beyond their imagination. You know, I, I love Jock and Jeanette Grinwald. Jock's eyes were about this high on, uh, I mean, just like this at the end of the conference right there. And he's, bro, do you need me to be there at 3 o'clock? I will be there. I mean, he was just whooped. Poured himself out. And that's what disciples do. You pour yourself out. That's an example we all need to imitate. We need to have more Jock of all trades in the church who pour themselves out. And yet they stood faithful right there in our remnant group right there and Hey, that wasn't a time where we were having all these preachers come together and all of that. And God has blessed it and raised them up as deacons within the church right there. Beyond, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Jock and Jeanette would have said, hey, we know we're going to be deacons in the church right here. God has blessed it. Ola and Denise. Ola and Denise. I'll just leave it there. And of course, George and Angelica Grima. 
How many movements, George? Four, four movements. Seeing God's people come together four different times. Getting married in the kingdom. Losing a wife in the kingdom. Being broken by God. And then saying, you know what? God is enough. Staying totally committed. God giving him another wife again. God always blesses total commitment beyond your imagination. Where the areas where you're not totally committed. God's trying to bless you. Are you really, are you totally committed? From the heart. Are you totally committed? You know, if we are going to be God's family, we got to be committed to the family. Totally committed. That's why it's so awesome today, you know. We have a young woman who's come to be baptized today. Maria right there. And, and, she, she, and you know, I tested her this morning. I said, you totally, I looked her in the eye right there, and she looked me right back in the eye. She goes, I'm getting baptized today. And of course, she's had persecution. She's had the sisters in there discipling her. She's counting the cost. And of course, I, I, I look at her and I go, wow, she is a seed of hope. I look around the church, I see all these seeds of hope, and I go, wow, what mission team is she going to be on? What mission team is she going to be on? What, what? Who's going to be the godly man that leads her on that mission team? What's God going to do with this totally committed young woman who's completely away from her, her family, who's giving herself totally to her new spiritual family, and we're going to give our heart to her. Amen? amen. God always blesses total commitment, guys, beyond your imagination. I want to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to go through your life with someone very close to you. If you're in the church, it's your discipleship partner. And be humble and say, where am I not totally committed? Be humble. Go after it. And God will bless you beyond your imagination. Are you guys with me here? As we build God's family, let's keep these principles in mind. And to God be all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.